I always tell the story of my son's friend Elliot and going to the fourth grade project fair and saying, oh my gosh, Elliot, your project is awesome. And Elliot saying, yeah, my mom did a really good job. So, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Fluster Clucks with Lynn Lyons, where we talk about how to manage those tricky emotions that show up in all families. Serious stuff without being too serious. I'm your co-host, Robin, and I'm Lynn's sister-in-law, and I'm here to ask your questions. And I'm Lynn Lyons. I'm an anxiety expert, speaker, mom, and author, and I've been a therapist for over 30 years. Parenting can be a fluster clucks, and I'm here to help you find your way. And I'll even tell you what to do and what to say. One, two, three. Season five. So here we are. Season five, it's not like we've done, been doing this for five years, but... That's right. We didn't know really how to count seasons, the first few. We have been doing this show for two and a half years, actually. I know, it's crazy. Two and a half years. It does feel like a long time ago. The very first episode, it was like April of 2020. Mm -hmm. We had no idea mm -hmm. what was going on. The world yeah. was in lockdown. And I had read that you should like find a closet to podcast. <laughs> 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 I, I was sitting on the floor of our bedroom closet, like surrounded by pillows and everything. And we've come a little bit of a way since then. I think then. we've come a little bit of a way. We figured some things out. And yet we're still learning at others. All my life's a circle, as Harry Chapin used to sing. And uh, we are entering another come around, another circle, because school is starting. Yes. This is the first time in my parenting life since 2000, probably three, that I have not had a kid going to school in the fall. That must be kind of weird. It is kind of weird. It feels strange because people are talking about the end of the summer and I'm like, okay, well, what's going to mark the end of my summer? I guess it's just going to mark when I start going and working in schools again and doing travel again. But yeah, this is the first time because both of my boys are officially launched. That is. We're mm -hmm. sort of still very much in the thick of it. You are. I have a son entering middle school. Woohoo! And a daughter entering her junior year, which is the pressure cooker year. Junior year. Everybody gets all wigged out about junior year. I didn't realize that was sort of a thing until my kids were talking about going back to school yesterday. But there's definitely a culture of junior year being this really intense year that it's all work and no fun. And I think that is a perfect opportunity for me to reflect on as a parent, what kind of language I want to use at home to sort of counter the language she's hearing in high school, mm -hmm. or my son is hearing in middle school, because mm -hmm. there's often a lot of negative talk about middle school. I mean, for a legit reason, middle school is tough for so many reasons. Mm -hmm. But I think it's a great time for us to have a conversation about the language we use around school and schoolwork at home. And I mm -hmm. know you can give us some fabulous ideas. This is going to be quite the year for you because junior year, the way the way schools talk about junior year and people talk about junior year, it's sort of like this year will define your entire future. Your whole life depends on junior year, which we know is not really true. I'm sure you want all the parents to repeat that mantra. Yeah, 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 yeah. The first day of school, when you take your first day of school pictures, have them hold up a little sign that says, this year will define my entire future. 
good luck to me. Um, and then the other, and, and the thing about, and the thing about middle school too, is that it is pretty tumultuous because mostly because of all the social stuff and all the growth and kids are hitting puberty. I mean, it just is, it's just a very intense, emotional, a lot of shifts in families, making decisions about how much freedom you're going to have and who you're going to hang out with. Relationships change a lot during middle school. So that's usually when kids sort of have breakups with friend groups or starting new friend groups. So it can be a really tumultuous time of life. Uh, if only I had like access to an anxiety expert. You can get on my calendar. Thank you. Yeah. I can't even, gosh, middle school with my kids, I have to think back. It was interesting for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but not too bad. Not too bad. All right. So one thing to think about as you're entering this new school year is all of you listening, you can take a little moment to think like, what are the patterns or what are the habits or what are the things that were really difficult last year? or year before, whatever. Remember, we've got these crazy few years behind us. But what are the patterns that you don't want to get into? What do you want to change? What do you want to shift? What are the things you're like, oh, God, I don't want to do that again, right? Oh, packing lunch or what to do about screen time or how to get your kids out of bed in the morning or how to get them into bed at night. One of the things I think that families really dread is the homework battle. That's kind of a pattern you get sucked into and you may want to change. Yeah. How you talk about homework and how you're talking about your kids' schoolwork and school performance, they're kind of all tied in. Yeah. And what's pretty interesting, and I'll talk about this more because as I was preparing for this episode, I was doing a little research and my pals over at Challenge Success um, have some really great research, but there isn't a big correlation between the amount of homework that kids do and predicting achievement or academic success. But there are a lot of things that predict negativity with homework. And homework is one of the biggest sources of stress, particularly for older kids, for high school kids, that far over 50%, up close to 60% and even higher, say that homework and interacting with parents and the time spent on homework is one of their highest sources of stress as they're trying to get through the school year. Let's talk about that a little bit. As you were asking families, including my own, what are we dreading? Mm -hmm. One of the things that I was also thinking about is as we're starting this school year, what are our goals? What are our goals for our kids? What are our kids' goals? And are there any weeds in those gardens? Mm -hmm. My daughter is a junior. So I have to really, of course, I do have in my head, I would love certain outcomes to happen to facilitate her college process. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, like I gotta, I gotta keep all of that in uh -huh. check. Yeah. I, I have to focus on end game strategies mm -hmm. here. And I, and, I'm I'm no longer co-host. I am seeking advice, people. <laughs> so, but I mean, I think that's also the issue too, is that a parent needs to understand what are within my healthy boundaries of supporting my kids, 
when am I crossing over boundaries Mm -hmm. and projecting things onto my kids that can be toxic? Mm -hmm. And how do we have the right language, the right balance, the right conversations where we can feel like we're on the same team Mm -hmm. and not adversarial? Yeah. When you think about sort of what what are the bigger outcomes you want, that's what I'm always thinking about. I'm always trying to come up in my head or when I'm talking to families, what are the skills you really want to teach? And so if we look at homework as the one of the arenas in which we're trying to teach skills, then we're really wanting to pay attention to our interactions with kids around homework, what the research says about the value of homework, the amount of time that kids are spending on homework. So let me just give you a little bit of sort of as I was thinking about this, I'm going to start with sort of the younger kids and then we'll move into the high school kids because they really, they're different things about homework. You're right in the heart of the the high school stuff. If you've got kids that are elementary school age, let me just tell you, There really is very scant research that connects the time spent on homework with academic achievement. And here's what actually does promote, if we want to call it achievement or academic success, but even more specifically, that improves executive functioning skills, which are your ability to initiate work, your ability to set goals for yourself, your ability to take the steps to get to goals, right? We think that, okay, homework is where they're going to learn all that. Do you know where kids actually learn that the best? The playground? The playground. That's exactly right. Smart Robin. They learn it in child-directed play. They learn those skills when they are doing things without adult interference. So if you're thinking about, oh, I really have to set up all these things for my kid to do. So I have to have them in this enrichment program and I have to have them in this activity and I have to make sure they're doing their homework and I have to check their homework and make sure their homework is perfect. If you think that those are teaching them the skills that you want them to have big picture, probably not. So the other thing that has been shown with younger kids that predicts achievement And by achievement, I mean academic success and being able to move forward is reading for pleasure. So when teachers are assigning that 20 minutes of reading time, that's what you want to make sure happens. And it may be if you've got kids that aren't good readers yet. So if we're talking about kindergartners or first or second graders, reading with your child rather than having them do excessive amounts of math homework or flashcards or all this other stuff, reading with your child and reading for pleasure is one of the stronger predictors of kids having academic success. So those are two things you want to pay attention to. And so simple. So simple and also enjoyable, right? I mean, like we're talking about letting kids play and reading for pleasure. Isn't it wonderful that those two things that are kind of fun and enjoyable also help our kids develop and learn, right? That's what we want to pay attention to. Let's take a break and talk more about that. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. So when you're a parent, you're going to have your fair share of big talks with your kids, right? About all sorts of big topics. One of those big talks should involve money. 
And Greenlight can help with that. Greenlight is a debit card and a money app that's made for families. It allows you to do instant money transfers. You can get real-time notifications of spending. You can manage chores. You can automate allowance. I know with my kids, we really wanted to help them see the cause and effect, right? If you spend money now, you're not going to have it later. If you earn money now and you save it, maybe you can put it towards some big purchase that you're looking forward to. This is called financial literacy, and it allows kids to build independence, to learn how money works, to make them better savers, better spenders. The Greenlight app also comes with an in-app financial literacy game. It's called Level Up, so that kids can build money confidence through videos, bite-sized challenges, mini games, and more. More than 6 million parents and kids use Greenlight to learn how to make responsible financial choices. So stop putting off the money talk and start putting your kids on the right path. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash fluster. That's greenlight.com slash fluster to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash fluster. Hey, so the other day I had to change my car insurance and guess what? I bought new car insurance and they sent me a check, right? So that you could buy something and get money back at the same time doesn't happen very often. And it's pretty darn fun. That's why you got to check out Ibotta. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop. On hundreds of items, from groceries to beauty supplies to toys, you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. So, The average Ibotta user earns $256 a year. That's actually more than I got back on my car insurance, I'll tell you. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. Other apps give you points that don't amount to too much. With Ibotta, just add your offers in the app, upload your receipt, and you get real cash that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. So join the 50 million users Earn cash back every time you shop. Over 2,700 brands, everybody. Retailers, including Lowe's, Sephora, Best Buy. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code FLUSTER when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use the code FLUSTER. That's I-B-O-T-T-A and use the code FLUSTER. Okay, we're back. When we talk about the elementary aged population, I think of, there was this one very powerful memory I had. My daughter and I were taking a parent-child art class at a local museum. Mm-hmm. And they had given out a craft we were all working on. For some reason, the parents were there. It wasn't a drop-off class. By no means did the project require adult participation. So I remember just sitting back and letting my daughter create something. But there was another mother and a daughter at our table. And the mother was very perfectionistic and wanting the, the four-year-old's craft to be just so. Mm -hmm. I think of so many moms with so much love are putting into this, 
they're putting their eggs in this basket. I want your work to be perfect. I want you to succeed. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you want to give them a little bit of advice right now? Yeah. Yeah. Don't do that. So, (laughs) well, but, but of course, I mean, we have to recognize is that we want our kids to do well because we want them to get all the accolades of doing well. It's sure. also a reflection on us, right? I always tell the story of of being with Elliot and my 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 son's friend Elliot, who's now in law school, and going to the fourth grade project fair and saying, oh my gosh, Elliot, your project is awesome. And Elliot saying, yeah, my mom did a really good job. So... <laughs> <laughs> So we really want to pay attention to to how it is that we tolerate our kids learning and the end result not looking perfect. One of the things to pay attention to with kids with homework is that homework is not supposed to go back into school perfectly. Because if you as parents are doing the homework, if you're correcting everything, if you're going over it, or if you're making sure that every period is where it's supposed to be, that every word is spelt correctly, when it goes back into the teacher, the teacher has no idea what your child is struggling with. The teacher has no idea what your child has actually figured out because they are seeing your work, not your child's work. So giving your kids autonomy when they do their homework, and they may need support, right? Little kids need support. Maybe they need to have help getting it set up or having a place to do their homework. You're wanting to model for them how you go about starting a task, but then let them do their homework. Let it be messy. Let it be incomplete. The other thing that's really important, and I think parents should really have this conversation or listen to when teachers talk about this with elementary school age, is that I want parents to be able to tell me, what does the teacher of your child say the most important skills that your child is learning from the homework assigned? What do you want big picture? Because your child is in second grade. They're coming home with a maybe one math worksheet or something. What are the big picture skills that you want our children to learn from this homework? And pay attention to that. Doing math, doing different assignments that we give kids for homework, again, doesn't necessarily correlate with an improvement in the skills. It improves their ability to do what? To start something, to finish something, to handle frustration, to organize their time a little bit. You know, the biggest skill that I talk about that I want kids to learn of all ages is the ability to do something when you don't feel like doing it. So if you are in this homework battle with your child, How can you back off and let them learn the skills that they need to learn big picture without focusing on the perfection of the product that's going back to school? I could hear so many parents say, well, if I don't focus on their homework, it's not going to get done. Mm -hmm. We kind of talk about this in last week's episode, actually, too. Mm -hmm. But, But you know what? If it doesn't get done... That's a phenomenal opportunity for the teacher and the student to then understand there are consequences of not doing work. Mm -hmm. You really want your kid to learn that in third grade and not 10th grade. Right. Which is why when we talk about how kids learn and we talk about play, 
they're learning those things organically as things happen. They're learning how to resolve conflict. They're learning how to take turns. They're learning how to share. They're learning how to, I was just talking to a child the other day who doesn't like to have kids come over to his house because he doesn't like it when they don't want to play what he wants to play. That's a really good opportunity for him to learn that skill of being able to have give and take. So there are all these big skills that we're thinking about in elementary school. Having your child not do the homework and having there be some sort of consequence or some sort of conversation, having your child be able to go into the teacher and say, I didn't understand how to do this, so can you help me? Having your child learn how to ask for help having your child not know how to do something immediately and then have to learn it over time, just as if you would teach them to ride a bike or to learn how to play Yahtzee or whatever, all of these skills are inherent in the homework process. You need to get out of the idea, get out of the practice that the homework needs to be done completely and perfectly. Because in elementary school ages, that's not correlated with their future success. This is one area, I think, in parenting more so than any other, because there are these scores and prizes and really simplified consequences that go with elementary schoolwork. Mm -hmm. Parents focus on those. But if you can take that skill of completing homework and you're running it through the Lynn Lyons filter of all of these different emotional skills that are life skills. Mm -hmm. You know, you can look at something and then say, well, these are the life skills that you've learned from that. Mm -hmm. So some parents might say like, I hear you, Lynn. I can't see those as easily as you can. Mm -hmm. But I think that acknowledging that there's an end game of life skill learning with all these little steps, you have to trust that they're there. Mm -hmm and not get focused on a 100 on a worksheet mm -hmm. because you did the work right. or or you corrected it so that they got the 100. Right. And when you say emotional skills, that's absolutely true. But I think equally important is relational skills. Because if you are working with your child on their homework and they get stuck and you get angry and they get angry and there's a big blow up and then you call the teacher and you say, we weren't able to do the homework, blah, blah, blah. You have just gotten in the way of your child being able to say, I feel really frustrated with this. And you being able to say, well, maybe we need to take a break. Or I wonder what questions you can ask your teacher tomorrow that will help you understand this better. Or I wonder if you can ask one of your friends for help, because maybe I know you told me that your friend really understands long division better than you do. And you start talking to them about how they're going to solve this problem. In the moment, not completing a math worksheet or getting stuck or refusing to do a project that they think is stupid, which I'll talk about in a moment, is really wonderful grist for the mill for them communicating. I was just doing a presentation yesterday on the issues with social media in teenagers. And one of the very interesting things I found in the research as I was preparing for this presentation was the value of verbal communication about how that connects so strongly to our relationship skills, to our ability to connect to other people, how it's connected to important parts of our thinking in our brain. If you can support your child being able to talk about how they feel frustrated with you not being so focused on having the words spelled correctly, you're really giving them 
skills that are going to help them as they move forward. Because I will tell you, in my office, it's interesting. I see a lot of kids that have a 4.0 GPA. So them being able to do all their schoolwork perfectly did not prevent them from sitting in my office, feeling overwhelmed, feeling lonely, feeling anxious about the next step. You've got to think big picture skills. Our emotional management and our social connection has to be there in order for you to move forward in the most important parts of your life. When you talk about relational skills, that what really resonates for me and what I'm observing as a parent uh, of kids in this generation, particularly because, you know, like no one uses the phone anymore, mm-hmm. right? There are all of these ways that speaking for yourself, mm-hmm. there are a lot of ways to stunt that development. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you talk about the skill of autonomy, which I think is a much more, it's one that took me a while to get. Mm-hmm. But the best case scenario about homework is if your fourth grade student didn't understand something, wouldn't you love it if your fourth grader could just raise their hand and say to the teacher, I don't get this, I need help. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Instead of coming home to you or just crying about mm-hmm. it or getting upset. Mm-hmm. And anytime our kids have had some kind of issue when they've come up, I've always said, email the teacher. Mm-hmm or talk to the teacher, Mm -hmm. you've got to solve this. I don't get involved. They have to learn these ways of talking to adults and speaking up for themselves. And obviously, if you say that autonomy is very underdeveloped often and anxious kids, you know, I love problem solving, Lynn, as you Mm -hmm. know. You do. You're good (laughs) at it. (laughs) But uh, I can't solve those problems or I'll have another problem of a different kind. Yeah. And I think as we talk about the development of autonomy, one of the things that I think you're exactly really, really spot on about is that how quickly parents, how quickly if your child doesn't understand something or your child's having a struggle over an assignment or a homework thing, how quickly do you step in and contact the teacher? How quick are you to email the teacher or call the teacher? Because you start to panic. If you're a parent who tends to panic because your child isn't learning something or panic because they're not catching up, or if you feel like homework is a huge battle and your child's saying, I can't do it, I can't understand it. So certainly there are times when you're going to contact the teacher. When my sons are going through high school, I had one meeting with a teacher. I went in and had one meeting with a teacher because my son was struggling in this math class and he kept saying to me, I can't figure out what she's saying. This is the kid that actually graduated as a physics major, so he's good at math. And so I went in and had a conversation with the teacher because I wanted to talk to her about where the breakdown was. I wanted to have a conversation, a verbal conversation with her about what was missing. And in my conversation with her, she was, I'm sure, brilliant at math. She was a really lousy verbal communicator. We took steps to remedy that. He needed to learn the material from somebody else because she was really having a hard time verbally communicating with him in a way that he could understand. So sometimes you intervene for sure. If you are the parent who intervenes really quickly, both either in the homework or with the teacher, here are some things that I want you to think about. Here are some, here are some tips for you. One is that I want you to pay attention to how quickly you contact the school and how you respond and react to things, what your communication is like with the school. Because I work in a lot of schools, and one of the things I know is that teachers and administrators very quickly 
recognize if there's a parent who's coming in all the time and if they're pointing the finger and if they're overreactive, you will not get the response you're looking for. So pay attention to that. I want you to think about slowing down. So when you're dealing with your child and they're not understanding something, that's a time for you to just slow down. Because I know when we worry and we get anxious about things, everything speeds up. So reaction speeds up, emotions speed up. So slow down. I want you to recognize as your child is learning something, as they're adjusting to a new school or a new grade, let the adjustment happen. Right? You're not you're not ignoring things, but let it take some time. So I need you to be patient as you're starting this new school year and not be so quick to react, so quick to step in. Slow down. I want you to think about where you're going to add a bit of autonomy. So that homework assignment that I talk about all the time, what are three things that you're doing for child your child that they can do for him or herself? Think about that in terms of homework. Help them get set up if they need to get set up. You know, it's it's it, people continually say to me, and the research continually says that there should be some area where they know they're going to do their homework that's sort of free of distraction. Give them a place that they're going to do it, and then see if they and you can work on autonomy. You do not have to check your child's homework. It is not your job to check over it and correct it. Let it go. Let it go into the school. Let the teacher see it. My final thing is to pay attention to where you can let go of a little bit of control. If you feel like you control, if you feel like you're really invested in the outcome, how can you let that go? It's going to feel hard because you're invested in it and you're worried that they're not learning what they're learning. Let go, step back, See if you can change that dynamic of you being the homework manager and the homework dictator. See if you can let that go and see if that changes what happens during the homework time in your family. Let's talk about high schoolers when we come back from this break. How are those New Year's resolutions going? Well, many are destined to fail, but lucky for you, here's one easy resolution idea that we gave you that we can all make and it will make your life easier. It'll be kinder to our planet and it will transform the way you do laundry in 2024. And that is switching to EarthBreeze. EarthBreeze looks like dryer sheets, but it's ultra concentrated laundry detergent and it couldn't be easier. You just throw a sheet in with your laundry in any temperature and you watch it dissolve in any wash cycle hot or cold. There's no measuring, there's no mess, there's no fuss, there's no wasteful plastic jug. EarthBreeze fights everyday stains and odors, giving you an amazing clean every time. The best part is you'll never run out again thanks to EarthBreeze flexible subscription that you can adjust, pause, or cancel at any time with no hidden fees or penalties. And you'll save a whopping 40% when you subscribe. Shipping's always free, and it comes in a slim cardboard envelope that saves a ton of space. So switching to EarthBreeze won't only make laundry day easier for you, but it will also be easier on the planet. So help me make plastic jugs a thing of the past. And if EarthBreeze doesn't end up being the 2024 update of your dreams, you don't even have to return it. Just let them know it's not for you and you'll get a full refund, no questions asked. Get started with EarthBreeze and save 40%. Go to earthbreeze.com slash flusterclucks. That's earthbreeze.com slash flusterclucks 
for 40% off your subscription. Do you think seeing a therapist or a psychiatrist would be helpful, but you don't have the time to actually find one? And then like, when do you have time to meet with them? Try Talkspace. By doing everything online, Talkspace has made getting the help you want easy, accessible, and affordable. It's in-network with most major insurers. There's no need to commute to appointments. You won't miss time at work or have to line up childcare in order to attend sessions. It's mental health care made easy. Talkspace lets you send messages to your therapist so you don't have to wait for your next session. Therapy can help you shift your perspective and find tools to cope in difficult times. Talkspace is the number one online therapy platform with licensed therapists in over 40 specialties, including anxiety, depression, substance abuse, relationship issues, and much more. As a listener of this podcast, you'll get $80 off your first month with Talkspace when you go to Talkspace.com slash Fluster. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash Fluster to get $80 off your first month. That's Talkspace.com slash Fluster. Okay, let's get back to this conversation. Okay, so high schoolers, right? So that, that a lot of that information and advice I gave, I just sort of made that list, certainly applies to older kids as well, but it was sort of geared toward, you know, elementary and middle school. What about high school? High schoolers get very overwhelmed by the amount of homework that they get. The majority of high schoolers say that homework is their most significant source of stress. And here's what happens with homework with with older kids. One is that they pay a lot of attention to what they see as the value of the assignment, whether or not it's interesting, whether or not they feel like they're learning something valuable from it, whether or not they can see the purpose of the assignment. If you've got a high schooler, one of the questions you can ask as they're working on something is to say to them, like, what what do you find valuable about this? Or what do you think you're going to learn from this? And if they say absolutely nothing, it's stupid, I don't want to do it, I don't understand why I even have to do this, then you might say to them, that would be a really interesting question to ask your teacher. That would be a really great conversation to have with your teacher is, What do you see, teacher, as the value of this assignment? Because when kids are interested, when kids find it valuable, when they think that it's actually promoting something, they're much more willing to do it. So that's a great conversation that you can have with your high schooler. The other thing, too, is that reading for pleasure is still one of the things that's important as kids get older, too. So if you are modeling that, if you can promote that as something that's important, if you can promote that as something that they can enjoy, try and do that in the earlier years, but it's still important as they get into high school, allowing for them to have time to read for pleasure. I think now when they talk about pleasure, they'd rather just scroll on TikTok or whatever. But if you can support that reading for pleasure in kids as they get older, you're really doing their brains and their executive functioning a favor and you're giving them the opportunity to enjoy something and to have pleasure in their learning which oftentimes they feel like they're not. The other thing that you want to talk about with your kids and to pay attention to with your kids, your high schoolers is that more parental control over homework correlates with less achievement 
later in the educational process. So if we're talking about, you say like, well, it's really important now because they're in their junior year and I have to make sure that they're getting their homework done and I have to make sure and I have to go on those parent portals and make sure that their assignments are being handed in. I am telling you right now, more parental control is going to give you the exact opposite of what you're hoping for. Parent portals where parents can go in, check on homework assignments, see what the grades are, see exactly what's happening minute by minute are not great. And I've talked to a lot of schools about this. There are some situations in which parents having access to that information is helpful. If you've got a kid who is really working on their executive functioning, if you've got a kid who's got a a, a learning issue, you've got a kid with a processing disorder with ADHD, that can be a helpful way for parents in schools to stay in communication. But If you are the parent who's checking homework every day, who's questioning your kid's assignments, if you are a parent who sees that your child got a 72 on a math quiz and you are going to them and saying, why did you get this 72? You didn't study enough. I'm telling you right now, it's going to backfire. You need to back off. And you need to develop those skills of how does a student seek out help in the areas where they feel less confident or in the situations in which they're feeling overwhelmed. How they seek out help, not how you come at them with, with, with what feels very punitive, that's the skill that you want to develop. I feel like with high schoolers talking about homework, I think parents, including myself, have to really check in with their own feelings about their kids' grades, expectations, college applications, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Like if you're talking to your teenager about their schoolwork from a place of anxiety that you have, I'm part of a Facebook group on paying for college that has hundreds of thousands of members. Hmm. And of course, I look at a lot of these posts And they're very, um, you know, if I weren't so aware of my own anxiety patterns, I mean, they can do a number on you. Mm -hmm. A lot of the parents in there are incredibly worked up about their kids' process. They are incredibly involved in all levels of information as a way to manage their anxiety. They're trying to control it. They have Mm -hmm. spreadsheets and spreadsheets. I mean, it feels like it's the norm given hundreds of thousands of members who go through this. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of am just now getting exposed to the level of intensity that this Mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. I always thought that the intensity was really more about parents wanting a brag. Mm -hmm. My kid got into X and Mm -hmm. I can't wait to tell people, you know, like Mm -hmm. that was part Mm -hmm. of it. And then other parents, it's like, we just need to get that merit scholarship. Mm -hmm. Right. That's the brag. Yeah. My kid got a full ride at X or Y. So I'm seeing, and it's not even a brag, it's a necessity. Right. So there's a lot riding on this. Mm And I just wish that you could give a seminar inside that group (laughs) because I think that damage can be done on a relationship between a teenager and a parent who isn't more conscious and self-aware 
supporting their kid and themselves mm-hmm. through this process. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give? So I think as a parent, I mean, I totally see how socially contagious all this pressure is. And this is an industry. This creation of grades and achievement and getting into college and focusing on getting homework and all this kind of stuff, this is an industry. And so it's it's very easy to get sucked into it. And I totally know that. I've gone through it myself. So I think what you want to do is really directly talk to your teenager about how you guys together are going to navigate this thing. I mean, I would just own it. And I would say to my teenager, okay, so you're starting junior year. And oh my gosh, we are going to be bombarded with all sorts of messages and deadlines and expectations. So what? how do you think you and I can get through this? How do you think we can get through this? So, so, and, and say to your, say to your teenager, how can I be helpful to you? And ask those how questions. How will I know when you need help from me? And is there anything that I can do to help you figure this out? And what do you want me to back off on? Am I being too intrusive in any way? Are there questions you don't want me to ask? Just really have a conversation with them about how you can be helpful and how you cannot be helpful. There are kids who will say, I am going to write my college essay or I'm going to take these classes. I don't need your help. I don't want your help. And there are other kids will say like, well, gosh, if you could read my essay, that would be really helpful. Or if you could look at my paper and give me some tips on it, that would be really helpful. Have a conversation about what the level of communication and what the level of involvement is going to be and listen to your child. Listen to your child. I hear parents all the time say to me, well, they don't know. Well, they don't know, they don't know any better. If I let them do this on their own, they're going to crash and burn. It's my job to, because I know how this process works. I know how it's important and they don't understand it. And boy, they just bulldoze their way in. That doesn't work. I'm telling you, it doesn't work. Pay attention to the messages that you're giving to your kids because we have created in this country right now, there is, everywhere you look, everywhere you read, there is a mental health crisis. There is a mental health epidemic. If we continue to do the same things over and over and over again, we're going to keep getting the same results. I had an eighth grader tell me just a few days ago that eighth grade is the year that really counts because that's when they start paying attention to grades, because that's how they're going to place you in your high school classes, and that's going to influence what colleges you get into. He just finished seventh grade. This is the level. This is what they're hearing. So you can you can say to your kids, this is a really crazy environment that we're in, and we as a family can make a choice to step back from it. And, and let's see if we can do things differently. Let's pay attention to things in a different way. And I want you to say to your kids, here's what's most important to me for you. And don't say most important that you be happy, right? Because they're not going to be happy all the time. Here's what's most important for me and for this family, that you are interested in what you're learning most of the time, but not all the time that you figure out how to do things when you don't feel like it, because that's an enormously helpful life skill, that you work on being able to communicate verbally, in person, authentically, and genuinely with friends and family members and teachers. 
and that you learn how to ask for help when you need help. Those are the skills that I want these kids to have because those are the skills that will inoculate them against really difficult and really painful issues as they move forward through their through their high school years. Being able to have open conversations with your kids, acknowledging the ridiculous sometimes of this process, the craziness of this process can can leave kids with feeling a real sense of relief. You have to let go of your panic and you have to see this as a process that you are creating a full and functional human being that's going to be able to have relationships in the world. That is far more important than whether or not they got a C on their physics test. We did an episode on truly being college prepared where you actually give a little more insight based on your own patient population Mm -hmm. of how many times you have high achieving high school students go off to college, but they have not yet developed both the social skills or the other types of relational skills Mm -hmm. to succeed in college. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, And I think that that's another thing where parents who are really focused on that specific admission or scholarship goal has to really think about the end game of the the human being uh, mm-hmm. long after the college mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. There are some families or there are some kids that I work with that their goal to learn and achieve and to be on the top of their game academically is really important genuinely to them. And they don't really care much about the social connection stuff. There are a few kids that are like that. That is the rare exception. Most of the time when kids and families are in my office, the smart, high achieving 4.0 perfect SAT score kids are there because they are lonely, because they are overwhelmed and because they want more And that all of this achievement and all of the stuff that they have worked so hard to put on their resume isn't enough, that's what brings them into my office. So, and and I don't say this to say that, that, you know, it's not important. Look, I, I, I get it. I get it. I totally get it. I I am not the parent, nor am I the therapist that says, yeah, if they get D's, who cares? I get it. But please just make sure that as you're teaching your kids how to achieve, that you are teaching them how to develop the skills that will support their achievement in all areas of their life. Because how you achieve in a relationship and how you achieve on the basketball court and how you achieve when you open your dog walking business and how you achieve when you're organizing your room, those skills are really involved in every aspect of life. The skills of being able to, you know, the skills that I list, right? The skill of being able to get through stuff. Those are the skills that I'm paying attention to. You know, we've talked about this from the lens of the the toxic achievement culture, because obviously, I mean, you go there because so many of the families that you see the kids do have 4.0s, mm-hmm. but let's also talk about the families where executive function skills are an ongoing mm-hmm. um, 
uh, effort for them Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. they're not going for all A's. And uh, usually we've actually had this conversation on other episode on another episode, I know, but you know, these families have different anxiety based Mm -hmm. issues. The parents, Mm -hmm. they usually have a more relaxed attitude about the schoolwork, but that's right. But give give a little uh, shout out to them and what uh, pep talk they need for the beginning of the school year. So remember, it's a process. And remember that setting your expectations is really, really important. And I'm glad you're bringing this up, Robin, because I do. I do have families, too, where they're like, we just got to get them through the year or we just got to get them through high school. And I've worked with some families where that's absolutely been the goal. And when their kid graduated from high school, there was a huge celebration and nobody ever mentioned GPA because this was this was a tough, a tough thing for this family to get through. So stay connected. Stay connected in a way that allows your child to experience from you that you see more in them and value more in them than their ability to get their homework done. That that look for opportunities to point out that this kid is so kind or this kid is so creative or this kid is so funny or this kid is so wonderful to the little boy down the street who uh you know likes to come over and hang out point out the things to your child out loud that you value in them that are separate from academic achievement because there is so much more to us all than our ability to write a great paper or to memorize our math facts let them know consistently that you recognize that certain things are a struggle for them, that you understand that and that you're problem solving and you're figuring out how to make that happen. Be creative. Ask your child, what do you think will work? And this goes for all kids. If we're talking about homework, what do you think works? Some kids like to get up early in the morning and do their homework before school. Some kids like to come home right away after school and do it and get it over with. Talk to your child have that communication and and say to them, look, the goal is for us to get you through school. And I know this isn't your thing. And I know it's really hard for you. So let's make sure that we keep talking about it and that I want you to know that I recognize all the parts of you, all the qualities of you. School doesn't come easily to you. And I get it. And we're going to get through this. And I'm going to support you and love you. And we're going to talk to people and we're going to problem solve and we're going to be okay. Be supportive in a way that lets them know that their school achievement is not the only thing that you're paying attention to. I have some some kids that I work with and they've got learning issues, a few are dyslexic, and the shame that they feel when they are removed from the classroom because they have to go get extra support is real. You need to keep having an open conversation about that. You need to acknowledge it. You need to validate it. You need to let them know that you know it's hard and you're on their side and stay out of the battles when the battle doesn't need to happen. That's that's the thing that they want to hear from you. They want warmth, they want support, and they want validation that it's hard. You're still going to have to get it done, but I get that it's hard for you. Use those words and see the different response and reaction that you get from your kids. I think, you know, not to set you up, but, you know, the advice that you give to parents in either situation are, of course, quite similar because the ultimate Mm -hmm. goal is connection, 
telling your kids that you value them beyond the work. It isn't your love is a conditional on their successes mm-hmm. or accomplishments. I mean, now g- give us all that um, pep talk we need. One of the biggest skills is that your child begins to recognize both their strengths and their weaknesses, and that you teach them how to celebrate their strengths, how to recognize their strengths, and you teach them that we all have weaknesses and that problem solving and figuring things out and getting help is a really important skill that all human beings have to develop. So, you know, maybe one of one of the things that you're thinking about and and paying attention to, I'll just just sort of leave you with this. Be really careful that in your family, the celebrations during the school year aren't entirely based on measurable achievements like grades and wins and test scores. I've heard many people say that we shouldn't put the 100% test up on the refrigerator that we want to make sure that you are looking for opportunities to celebrate your children, not throwing them a parade, not rewarding them with stuff, not promising them that they'll get an iPhone if they get all A's, but on a very regular basis, just saying to them, I really value this about you. And again, you don't have to throw a parade. On a regular basis, sneak those wonderful, loving acknowledgements into your conversations with your kids. I really appreciate, you know what, your brother was having a hard time and I saw you go over and just sort of put your hand on his shoulder. That warmed me to see that. I love seeing that. You know what, when I asked you to go and take out the recycling and you just said, okay, sure. I'm so appreciative of how cooperative you were. Let them hear that. Don't make it super sappy. Don't Again, you don't have to throw them a parade, but just throw those things in on a regular basis. They are hearing all the time that they are judged and evaluated based on what they do. Find ways to let them know that you love them for who they are. Keep your ears and your eyes open for those opportunities. That's connection. That's warmth. That's love. That's support. If this episode was helpful to you, you can join our Facebook community and we'd love it if you left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Fluster Clucks. Bye, Robin. Bye, Lynn. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence Whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.